Rapid expansion? We're ready. Worker shortage? We're good. Anything can change the world of work. A celebrity buys the company. Depends on who it is. But relax, we've got ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Hey, Future of Everything listeners. A quick note before we get into this episode, which is all about the future of nuclear power. We want to hear from you. Do you think the U.S. should build more but smaller nuclear power plants to provide electricity? Why or why not? Let us know. Email us at foepodcast at wsj.com. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the show. What do you think of when you hear the words nuclear power plant? If you're like me, you may have picked up a lot of what you think you know about nuclear energy from... That's right. The Simpsons was probably my first introduction to nuclear power. From Homer's day job as a nuclear safety inspector... Nuclear. It's pronounced nuclear. ...to smiling Joe Fission. Your atomic tour guide to the strange and exciting world of nuclear power. Though, shockingly, the show isn't exactly scientifically accurate. The U.S. Office of Nuclear Energy actually published a brochure with a section titled Four Things the Simpsons Got Wrong About Nuclear. Did you know nuclear waste isn't a glowing green liquid? And surprise, surprise, Homer Simpson is not a model safety inspector. Ah, it's my problem! We're doomed! One thing the show did get right is the size of the Springfield nuclear power plant. It looms over the town's skyline. The cooling towers are really big, like they are in real life. But what if a nuclear reactor could be shrunk down to fit into a small warehouse? Instead of the large concrete domes that you typically think of for containment, we've gone to a very small steel containment vessel. Jose Reyes is the chief technical officer and one of the co-founders of New Scale Power, a company that's working on a new generation of nuclear power generators. The reactor vessel sits inside the containment vessel. We pull a vacuum in the containment, and we immerse it in a pool of water. And that's the whole design. It's basically a reactor inside of a steel thermos bottle underwater. The very first nuclear reactor ever built during the Manhattan Project in the 1940s fit under the football field at the University of Chicago. But now, most nuclear power plants are like the Alvin W. Vodal electric generating plant in Georgia, which takes up four times as much land as New York City's Central Park and sports cooling towers that stretch 60 stories into the sky. And it needs a lot of staff. When the plant's newest reactor comes online next year, more than 1,600 people will be working on-site daily. This is our highway where we, where we operate. That's Jordan Danielson, a test engineer at New Scale Power. He works at one of their test sites at Oregon State University in Corvallis, a small college town nestled along the west bank of the Willamette River. Sort of feels like a hangar, almost. Yeah. Like, what is this, like 60 feet more? No, probably around 50-something. 50, 50 feet, all right. There are cables and wires going everywhere like spaghetti. Drills and wrenches scattered on work tables. This prototype is not nuclear-powered, but it gets put through its paces to make sure a real reactor would be safe in the event of an accident. We have around 500 or so data channels just for temperature measurement. Uh, some of our temperature instruments get pulled and removed and replaced with brand new, fresh calibrations every two or three tests uh, because we're here testing accident scenarios. So it's pretty violent uh, transitions, pretty extreme conditions. 
New Scale's fully assembled reactor modules will be about 76 feet tall. That's less than half the size of some of the most advanced nuclear reactors currently in operation. Because Jose Reyes says New Scale's big plan is to build small. We wanted to develop something that was uh, easy to manufacture, could actually be manufactured in a factory as opposed to on site, uh, could be transported easily, and that we could reduce the cost. Uh, and it was more of a, a plug and play kind of a design. From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Danny Lewis. Today, we're looking at small modular nuclear reactors because the future of energy is electricity. And while wind and solar have come a long way, we'll need more options to feed our need for power. How might small nuclear power plants fit in? And can they help make the grid greener? Stick around. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. There was a lot of fear of nuclear weapons following World War II as heard in a promotional cartoon released by General Electric in 1953. that moment, the shadow of the atom bomb has been across all our lives. All men but there was also a lot of promise around nuclear power. Because here, in fact, is the answer to a dream as old as man himself, a giant of limitless power at man's command. Depicting atomic power's potential as a literal giant of energy, GE's cartoon painted a picture of an atomic-powered future with limitless technological potential. The future supplying of electric power to entire cities is far from impossible, while nuclear power in locomotives, submarines, ships, and even very large airplanes may all but revolutionize future transportation on land, sea, and air. While nuclear power plants and submarines do exist, the use of atomic energy never became as widespread as that promo predicted. In part, because the nuclear energy industry figured the best path forward was to build a small number of very large power plants. Traditional nuclear power plants, the type that we've been building and operating for the past 40, 50 years, are the gigawatt scale, the large beasts, right? Jacopo Buongiorno is a professor of nuclear science and engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He says the thought was that big, centralized power plants would provide plenty of cheap electricity. In practice, building them was complicated. A lot of the cost overruns and schedule delays that we've seen in the construction of these large gigawatt-scale reactors were associated with the inability to manage large construction sites and very complex supply chains. Now, that may be changing. In the past several years, you have a lot of investors that are coming into this space. Jennifer Hiller covers energy for The Wall Street Journal. Like Bill Gates and Sam Altman and people like that have become interested in this area. And they're looking for carbon-free power sources and seeing a need as you try to uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Bill Gates is the chairman of TerraPower, which is developing slightly scaled-down nuclear reactors. And Sam Altman the co-founder of ChatGPT creator OpenAI, 
is a major investor in another nuclear energy startup called Oklo. Small reactors have always been around. There's always been like a contingent of people in the nuclear power world who see a use case. But there's also been an interest just broadly from the investment world in building difficult things like rockets or an electric vehicle company. And I would put nuclear reactors into the same category. The difference now is that companies designing small modular reactors say they're trying to build equipment, not infrastructure. Fundamentally, what we're trying to do is build smaller plants that we can build more of in a factory, quality-controlled setting to really get the cost down to a repeatable, predictable range. Clay Cell is the CEO of X-Energy. It's another company developing small modular nuclear reactors. Can we create something that is smaller, that is appropriate for incremental growth in the grid, uh, that we can simplify, that we can build in a factory, shrink wrap it, skid mount it, ship it out to the site, and assemble it in a period of months rather than construct it in a period of decades? The U.S. government also sees this approach to nuclear power as an important tool in a future that relies much more on electricity. Currently, 100 gigawatts provides 20 percent of our nation's electricity, approximately. There's 93 operating nuclear reactors. Later this year, there will be 94. Those gigawatt-scale plants are really helpful for that base load power. Catherine Huff is Assistant Secretary for Nuclear Energy in the U.S. Energy Department. She runs the office overseeing and promoting the nuclear power industry. If you can scale down the size, the complexity of these devices, you can start building nuclear reactors more like airplanes than airports, and you get better economies of scale, ideally, by saving on time and going over budget and things of this nature, because it's more predictable than an on-site construction. That's the electricity that's always there when you go to turn on the lights or plug in your phone, day or night, no matter the day of the week or time of year. Huff says nuclear energy is becoming an increasingly important part of the U.S. government's plan to power the country with low-carbon electricity. You may be asking yourself, how is nuclear energy low-carbon? Essentially, nuclear power reactors generate electricity from heat. All of the commercial nuclear power plants in the U.S. use the energy released by nuclear fuel to heat up water and generate pressurized steam. That steam turns turbines to generate electricity. Or it could be used for industrial purposes. We'll get back to that in a bit. But unlike coal or natural gas, nuclear reactors don't release carbon into the atmosphere. As countries, regions, businesses contemplate their future plans for reducing uh, carbon emissions, uh, nuclear is one technology that, uh, that they got to consider. That's Jacopo Buongiorno, the MIT researcher. It's an incredibly dense energy source. So you don't need a big supply chain that continuously feed the, the power plant with fuel the same way that you would with coal, for example. Also, the machine itself, the reactor, is very, very compact. But Wall Street Journal reporter Jennifer Hiller says conventional nuclear power plants also come with some disadvantages in the energy market. Natural gas became so inexpensive in the U.S. that you had 
nuclear reactors having to compete. And that really helped kind of unwind the economics of conventional nuclear power. Nuclear power plants generate plenty of cheap electricity once they're up and running. But building the plant itself is really expensive. Most of them are custom-built for a specific location, which takes a lot of capital investment. Compare that to natural gas, which is cheap and plentiful in the U.S. Natural gas power plants also cost less upfront to build. And there's also the safety question, especially after disasters like the meltdown at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant in Japan in 2011. It's unclear whether anyone was directly killed or sickened by radiation exposure from the accident, but more than 160,000 people were displaced. And at least 30,000 people still haven't returned. Broadly speaking, nuclear power tends to be pretty safe. But when they do have an accident, it can be big and, and catastrophic. And there's the added concern about nuclear waste, which can take thousands of years to decay. But some advocates for nuclear energy say smaller reactors would help here because they use less fuel to begin with while advanced safety systems need less human intervention. This is what Jose Reyes is trying to do at New Scale. The real aha moment for me was when I worked for the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna. He served as a technical expert on passive safety systems. And I kept hearing the same thing. We can't afford the large 1,000-megawatt reactors. They're just too expensive. We don't have the grid to support 1,000 megawatts. They wanted something smaller. So he started working on a design for a smaller power plant that could still supply the consistent levels of carbon-free electricity that makes nuclear energy so attractive. One that doesn't need hundreds of acres of land or cooling towers that stretch hundreds of feet in the air. NuScale isn't the only company designing small modular reactors for the global energy market, but it is the first company to have one of its designs certified by the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. One of our modules will produce about 77 megawatts electric. This probably about 60,000 homes could be powered by one module. We could power all of Corvallis here. It's a lot less electricity than a conventional nuclear power plant would generate. But Reyes and his team designed their system to be able to string together multiple reactor modules to generate a similar amount of electricity. Our 12-module plant is 924 megawatts. A conventional large plant, pressurized water reactor, is about 1,000 megawatts. So we're comparable, but we're in a much smaller footprint. And each of those modules can operate independently, meaning a new-scale plant could start producing electricity and start making money once the first module is installed. Reyes says this also makes the plant safer. That's because its cooling systems rely on passive systems to prevent meltdowns, like recirculating steam to keep the nuclear fuel submerged in water. Unlike conventional nuclear power plants, which require off-site power to run their cooling systems during emergencies. See, if you have a hurricane comes through, it knocks out the grid. Commercial nuclear power plants today, they would have to shut down. A nuclear meltdown happens when the chain reaction that produces heat goes out of control, generating more heat and pressure than the system can handle and melting down the reactor's components. That can cause an explosion and release radioactive materials into the environment. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission requires all existing nuclear plants in the U.S. to be able to draw electricity from the power grid in order to prevent this during an emergency shutdown. But Reyes says that's not the case for NuScale's simpler reactors. For our plant, we have one module providing all the house loads for the other modules. So that means all the modules can remain 
uh, essentially at full power, close to full power. And then whenever the dispatch calls and says, okay, we need power to help restore this section of the grid, we can provide that power. But that's a couple steps into the future, because no one has yet built a working small modular reactor in the U.S. And there are other questions to answer about what it will take to build a new atomic age. More on that after the break. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. We've talked about how building smaller nuclear reactors could make them cheaper and easier to build. So how about replacing the sheer amount of electricity a single large power plant can generate? We're trying to you know, just think completely different about nuclear. Instead of economies of scale, let's go for economies of volume. X-Energy CEO Clay Sell says small modular reactors can help because they can be installed wherever electricity is needed. That makes geographic locations more available to us, whether it's you know, replacing a coal plant that has suffered from suburban encroachment or uh, whether it's siding a plant you know, next to a data center or next to an industrial facility. A recent U.S. Energy Department report estimated that a first-of-a-kind small modular reactor, like those X-Energy and NuScale are designing, could cost as much as $3 billion to build. That's a lot of money, but it's a lot less than the $30 billion spent building the two new reactors at Georgia's Vodal nuclear power plant. Cell says to make the economics work, and to avoid being priced out by cheaper fuels like natural gas, nuclear energy will have to expand beyond municipal power grids to industry. I mean, what is the petrochemical industry other than, you know, applying uh, heat and pressure to crack molecules and then recombine them, right? And a lot of that pressure is produced through steam. And so there's a huge market for steam on the U.S. Gulf Coast and in other industrial applications. And today, that market is met with by burning natural gas. Earlier this year, X Energy partnered with Dow Chemical and the U.S. Energy Department to jointly develop a four-unit modular nuclear facility at an industrial plant. Those units will provide steam to a specific plant, their Sea Drift plant in Calhoun County, Texas. It will also provide electricity to the plant, and the excess electricity will be sold and injected into the Texas grid. Cell says tapping this market can expand the demand for nuclear energy in the future. We can't decarbonize the economy just by, you know, getting electric vehicles and planting solar farms and wind parks. He hopes small modular reactors will one day power everything from chemical plants to hydrogen generators to server farms used to train artificial intelligence. But Wall Street Journal reporter Jennifer Hiller says building a lot of small nuclear reactors instead of a few big ones may not solve the scale problem on its own. 
That was the argument, essentially, for building larger plants. And that did not work in terms of driving costs down on the large reactor front. And so they're saying now, instead of building large, we will build lots of small things, and that will drive the cost down instead. And that is just a question. We don't have the answer to that yet. Plus, Hiller says any next-generation nuclear reactors will still have to go through stringent regulatory hurdles to make sure they are safe. You do have to answer the question of, can you really put small reactors all over the country? Is every community going to be welcoming of smaller reactors? Because there are still risks associated with nuclear reactors. There have been at least 34 serious nuclear power plant accidents worldwide since 1952. And a recent study by researchers from Stanford University and the University of British Columbia suggests small modular reactors would actually produce even more radioactive waste than big conventional plants. Some countries are even phasing out their use of nuclear energy, including Germany, which shuttered its last nuclear power plants in April. At the same time, Renewable energy sources like solar, wind, and geothermal might just get cheaper as nuclear's costs remain uncertain. That is one of the key criticisms you hear is that just everything else gets a whole bunch cheaper in the next decade. And meanwhile, you're building an expensive nuclear reactor. Again, despite the big promises, no fully functional small modular nuclear reactors have been built in the U.S. yet. And while their benefits may look good on paper they still have to prove themselves in the real world. I am cautiously optimistic. But let me say up front, there is a lot of marketing, a lot of hype. And so everything has to be taken with a grain of salt. That's Jacopo Buongiorno again, the researcher from MIT. These early projects are absolutely key to establish credibility and confidence for this industry. Credibility with investors, confidence in themselves that they can deliver. So if these early projects are going to be, again, massively late and massively more expensive than the industry has advertised, then it's going to be a real tough proposition to go back to the investment community and say, what, please give me another $15, $20 billion because now I'm going to scale up. Cost and demand are still issues that these companies have to address. NewScale was planning to build its first small modular reactor in the U.S. at the Idaho National Laboratory. The hope was to start generating electricity by 2029, but the project was canceled earlier this month when it became clear there weren't enough customers signed up. NewScale says it does have other similar projects in the works, including one with standard power to build two reactors in Pennsylvania and Ohio by 2029. Even so, Buongiorno says nuclear power still shows a lot of promise in replacing fossil fuels. Some coal and natural gas plants could even be retrofitted with small nuclear reactors to pump out clean energy. They're almost ideally suited to be replaced by these small modular reactors. You get to reuse a lot of the infrastructure that already exists at that site. Transmission lines don't care where the electricity is coming from. Not to mention all the other infrastructure that's already built at these sites, like roads, plumbing, and power lines. Buongiorno says replacing old fossil fuel plants with nuclear power could also keep well-paying jobs in these communities, too. Coal-fired plants here in the United States are typically located in areas which are going to suffer mightily if those assets go out of business and they're not replaced with something else that employs locals, that provides well-paid jobs, and nuclear small modular reactors can do that. 
Plus, he says that having a range of energy sources, solar, wind, and nuclear, for example, will make the power grid more stable and resilient in the long run, especially as the need for electricity in the U.S. continues to grow. Buongiorno says the nuclear power industry has its best chance to really take hold now and help lead the way into a future of plentiful, carbon-free electricity. They're very much under the microscope at the moment. And this is their time. This is their moment. It's their chance. It's exciting. And the ball is in their court, so to speak. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was produced by me, Danny Lewis. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Michael Laval and Jessica Fenton are our sound designers and wrote our theme music. Catherine Millsop is our supervising producer. Aisha Al-Muslim is our development producer. Scott Salloway and Chris Sinsley are the deputy editors. And Falana Patterson is the head of news audio for The Wall Street Journal. Like the show? Tell your friends. And leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.